All right, greetings to everyone. We are so glad you are here. Before we jump into the message, I wanted to give you a heads up on something very cool coming up in February. For the past three years, the people of Christ community have been part of God's work here in Greeley and around the world through uh, an initiative we have called Gospel Unleashed. So from South America to Africa to the Middle East to India, there are incredible stories of lives being changed. And so for three weeks in February, we're going to be sharing and celebrating these stories and, and casting a vision for the upcoming year um, in, in Gospel Unleashed. And so through, through Gospel Unleashed, I mean, lives, many, many lives have been changed. And I think ours more than anyone else, right? The most of all. And so join us for these special services starting the weekend of February 7th and 8th. You will be, you will be touched and inspired to see how what God can do in Greeley, Colorado can make a difference in people's lives around the world. Now, I'm sure that every one of us can look back at our lives and we have some season in our lives where we look back at that and we think, man, I am so glad I don't have to live through that again. You know, for me, one of those seasons was seventh grade. There is kind of this dark cloud that just sort of hangs over that time in my life. I mean, I was a late bloomer. Um, the only thing that seemed to be growing on my body was my feet. Um, and, in, you know, in the guy's locker room, after gym class, I saw hair growing in places I didn't even know it was supposed to grow, you know? Um, so I was short, and I was skinny, and, and, and very self-conscious, and I had a crush on Tammy Hobson, and I would hyperventilate whenever I would get within 20 feet of her. But, 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 not, but that's not all. I mean, can, can you picture in your mind, you know, that, that stereotypical bully from the movies that, that picks on the weak and defenseless skinny kid? Well, I was that kid. And Adrian was the bully. He was, Adrian was six inches taller than me. He would follow me and glare at me and taunt me. You know, is that a Sesame Street lunchbox in your locker? And did your mom pick out your clothes today? And why don't you meet me outside school and I'll show you who's boss? You know, so every time the bell rang <clears throat> to go to the next class, I wanted to disappear. His, his presence made my life miserable. Now, I hope you didn't have an Adrian when you were growing up, but the truth is all of us have a bully in our lives. It's called fear. Fear is just like a bully. It is constantly following us, trying to intimidate us, to scare us, to rob us of life and, and joy. What's your bully? Is it a fear of failure? Maybe that's why you work 70 plus hours a week. Or perhaps it's a fear of rejection, which keeps you from getting close to people. Or maybe it's a fear of, of losing control, which keeps you trying to manage every detail of your life. I mean, what is your bully? Now, as we saw last week, if we allow these fears to take control of our lives, we will live in bondage. Missing out on the life and freedom and, and significance that God designed us to experience. But all of that is easier said than done, right? I mean, how, how on a daily basis are we supposed to conquer our fears? 
Well, that's what this current teaching series, Be Strong and Courageous, is really focusing on. We're, we're learning from a great leader in the Old Testament, a guy named Joshua, um, who, like us, struggled with fear. And, and as we see how God helped Joshua um, experience victory in the face of his fears, we too can learn how to face our fears. So in your digital Bible or your print Bible or whatever you got, turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Joshua is near the beginning of your Bible. And as you're turning there, let me set the stage where we find Joshua in this story. Centuries earlier, God had called a man named Abraham to move away from his family to a new land. And God promised this land to Abraham and his descendants. But God also let Abraham know that his people would be in exile and slavery for 400 years, which is exactly what happened. The nation of Egypt put them in slavery for four centuries. And at the end of that time, God called a man named Moses to rescue his people from Egypt. And so through a dramatic series of events, 10 plagues, Pharaoh eventually relented and let God's people go. And so, so finally, the people, finally God's people would be able to enter the land that God had promised them. Happy ending, right? Wrong, not so fast. As we talked about last week, just as they were getting ready to enter this amazing land, fear began to take hold. 10 leaders began to spread a bad report about how the people in this new land were too strong. They're going to destroy us. And so within hours, the entire nation was overcome by fear. Why did God rescue us from Egypt only to have us die in, in this new land? And so they refused to move. And, and God was angry at them. After all, he had just miraculously delivered them, but they still didn't believe that he would be able to give them this new land. And so God said, fine. You won't enter this land. You're going to wander in the desert, wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all the adults who chose fear are dead. And that's what happened. For 40 years, the people of Israel lived in the wilderness rather than enjoying the promised land. Now, near the end of that time, God told Moses that he was not going to be the one to lead the people into this promised land, which brings us to Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Let me read verses 1 through 6. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them today, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised to Moses. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. This is God's word. Okay, so imagine that you're Joshua. For 40 years, you have been comfortable in the number two spot, right, as Moses' assistant. But suddenly, he's gone. And now you are thrust into a significant leadership position. It is now your job to move a million people into a new land, right? 40 years is a long time. These people have grown comfortable in their situation. They were little kids when the exodus happened, right? They were just little kids. That was 40 years ago. This is the only life they've known. 
But of course, God has something better in store for them. And he tells Josh, you're my guy. You're my guy. I want you to lead these people into this land. Even with all the fears you have and all the fears they may be experiencing, I want you to lead these people. Now, there's a very interesting word that God uses in his initial command to Joshua. The NIV and other translations don't necessarily capture this very well, but I think it's, I think it's significant. After saying that Moses, my servant, is dead, the first two Hebrew words, first two words God says to Joshua are these, now arise. Now arise. This word arise means to stand. Now God is not simply telling him to stop sitting and stand up. That's not what's going on here. This is about a posture of the soul. For 40 years, these people have lived in the shadow of their fears. And, and, and Joshua is facing his own fears as well. What if this happens? What if I, I don't have what it takes to lead these people? So God says to him, now arise. I love that. I love that. God doesn't say, get rid of your fears. <clears throat> get rid of your fears before we move on. No, no, no. God says, now arise. In other words, it's time to face the bully of fear. It is time to stand. It's time to not let your fears keep you from my purposes and my plans for you. Stand. Arise. I mean, who can forget that image from June 5th, 1989 of the young man in Tiananmen Square standing in front of those, those Chinese military tanks? Was he afraid? I'm sure he was. <laughs> I'm sure he was afraid. But something in his soul said, the time is now. I'm going to stand up to this bully. I'm going to stand in the face of what seems like overwhelming opposition. And he did. He stood. Now, in his case, the opposition was literally overwhelming. The Chinese government probably quickly had him dealt with, although no one, I looked on the internet, no one really knows for sure what happened to him. But, but in our case, while our fears feel overwhelming, in reality, they are, they are Adrian-like bullies, putting up a facade of intimidation when in reality, these fears, all of them, cower in the presence of God. And now God is, now God's, he's not saying to us, get rid of your fears. Remember, as, as we talked about last week, it is not realistic to try and get rid of our fears as if we're never going to feel fear again. No, God is saying to us, now arise. I know fear has been a bully in your life. I know how fears have harassed you and, and tried to control you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand and face them in the resources that I have for you. That's what God's saying. Now, arise. So how do we do that? How do we face our fears like that? Well, keep your finger in Joshua 1 if you want to, because we're going to come back there in a little bit. But I want to jump to the New Testament, where we are given an incredibly powerful answer to that question. We're given an incredibly powerful verse that helps us understand the resources God has given us in our battle with fear. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. In fact, let's read this verse out loud together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power 
and of love and of a sound mind. Now, in this verse, God reveals three resources that can help us face our fears. Now, these are not three easy steps. This is not a little formula. You know, what we're talking about here, these things are a lifestyle. They are resources. They are tools that God wants us to learn how to utilize in our everyday lives and our everyday battles with fear. The first resource is power. Power. It says God has given us a spirit of power, not a spirit of fear, but of power. See, one of the things that we, we, need, we really need to realize when we're talking about fear is that there is a spiritual warfare aspect to fear. See, fear is one of Satan's most often used tactics. He is described in 1 Peter as being, uh, Satan is described in 1 Peter as being like a roaring lion. What, what, what does a lion's roar accomplish? It doesn't do any physical damage. No, what does it do? It intimidates. It intimidates. It stirs up fear. That's what Satan does. If he can get us to live in fear, then we won't be walking in faith. Fear and faith are incompatible. Fear, here's another way of saying that. Fear is to Satan what faith is to God. Fear is to Satan what faith is to God. So when we're talking about being strong and, and courageous, when we're talking about standing up to our fears, we need to make sure that we are aware of the spiritual warfare component to this. Paul refers here to a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear. For many of us, our fears are being stoked by the enemy. Being stoked by the enemy or one of his minions. You know, and, and often we don't even recognize that. We, we, just sort of, we, I mean, we just sort of passively accept our fears as a, as a normal part of our life, as, a, as just a way of life, which is exactly what Satan wants us to do. Just passively accept our fears. Well, what we need to realize is that sometimes our fear is actually an assault of the enemy against us. It's an assault of the enemy. It's a spiritual attack. So what are we supposed to do in the midst of a spiritual attack? Do we flee? Do we run away? No. Scripture tells us, this is an important distinction. The Bible tells us that when we are tempted, we are to flee. So when we experience temptation, we flee. But the Bible does not tell us to flee when we're experiencing a spiritual attack. What are we supposed to do when we're experiencing a spiritual attack? Fight. Resist. We're supposed to stand and fight. In, in, in fact, in Ephesians 6, Paul makes this so clear. Listen, listen to his words here. Verses 10 to 13 of Ephesians 6. Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. 
See, notice, we are not called to run away from spiritual attack. We are called to stand and fight. Not with our weapons, but with God's. See, this is the power piece that Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of spiritual power. So what does this look like, practically speaking? Here's what I think it, what it means, practically speaking. It means, it means that we need to get a little fight in us as it relates to our fears. We need to get a little fight in us as it relates to our fear. Anytime fear arises in our heart, we need to recognize that this may be a spiritual attack. Now, I'm not saying that every fear is a spiritual attack, but some of them are. And is that even a possibility in our, in our kind of theological framework or how we, we view life? Do we even consider that a possibility? This is a spiritual attack. So, so rather than passively accepting the fear that we're feeling in that moment, rather than just passively accepting that, we can respond with power. Choosing to renounce it and resist it in the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. So let's say we're, we're suddenly just feeling anxious about our children's safety or, 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 or this, we have this sense of dread just comes upon us, this sense of dread about the future. Rather than just passively accepting this experience of fear in that moment, we could, we could do something else. We could say, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I command any spirit of fear to leave me. I renounce you. I cut you off in Jesus' name. I bring the cross of Christ between me and any attack of the enemy. I claim the blood of Jesus over my life and my family. We could do that. We could fight. Now, again, I'm not saying every fear is a specific attack of the enemy. I'm not saying that. But some of them are. Because fear is... Satan's MO. Some of them are. And why not wield the weapons God has given us to stand in the face of our fears? To stand in that moment when we're experiencing fear. Okay, so that's one resource we have power. A second resource that God has given us to help face our fears is love. In 2 Timothy 1 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. So the Bible, let's talk about this love piece, because the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. That perfect love is found in Christ alone. Through his death on the cross, we can know that nothing can separate us from his love. When our soul is rooted in his perfect love for us, our fears dissipate. Our fears dissipate when, when our soul is rooted. And I'm talking about a real-time experience. I'm not talking about, oh, fear is forever dissipating. I'm talking about a real-time experience. I remember a few years ago, um, being in a group of, of gifted pastors, we had a meeting, there were a few of us there, uh, gifted pastors there, and, and uh, just some, some um, yeah, significant leaders. And uh, so I'm in this room, in this meeting, and all of a sudden, I just began to experience this feeling of fear and, and, and insecurity. I mean, it was, it was heavy on me. And it sent me to this really dark place in the middle of this meeting. And then a part of me, you know, wanted to respond to that by saying, I'm never going to go to that meeting again. And you know what? That's exactly what fear wants us to do, right? When we experience fear in these situations, 
our response is, I'm just going to avoid that. I'm never going to do that again. See, And so what happens is, I mentioned this last week, what happens is we just keep pulling in. We draw a smaller and smaller circle about what our life is going to be about because we're afraid of that. I can't do that because I experienced that. I can't do that. I can't. All these avoidance things. And I realized I did not want this fear to keep me more and more insulated. I didn't want it to keep me, um, you know, this fear just to keep exerting more and more influence in my life and to keep making the circle of my life smaller and smaller. So here's what what I've done. I, I keep going to these meetings. But here's what I do differently. As I'm driving to this meeting, or I'm in the midst of it, I, I, I'm having this, I'm carrying on this conversation in my soul. And it goes something like this, Father, thank you that you love me. That you love me because of Jesus, I am your child forever. And you made me just the way I am. I'm not like this pastor and this guy and this guy. I'm not, I'm not like them and that's okay. I'm not as gifted as they are in these things, but that's okay. You made me. And you are with me always. I, I, I rest in your love for me. I'm having this conversation as I'm moving in to this place where fear can surface and insecurity can surface. See, so what's happening is I'm learning to face my fears by rooting my soul in God's love. And, and, and it helps me stand up to my fears and not let them dictate my life. And that's true for all of us. See, when we choose to move into these places of fear, even if it feels a little risky, we still move to, we choose to move in, we choose to stand up to our fears. What can help us in that moment is, it's huge, is to just open our heart afresh to the love of Jesus for us in that moment. To his love for us. I mean, this is part, we talked about this last week, this is part of the Spirit's ministry, the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives reminding us that we are God's beloved children, right? So we can move forward in these things, just reminding our souls, rooting our souls in this perfect love that casts out fear. It's interesting that in Joshua, the Joshua 1 passage that we read a few minutes ago, God repeatedly reminds Joshua, I am with you. I'm with you. Um, there, there is, there's this loving presence thing that God wants Joshua to understand, and he wants us to understand it as well in facing our fears. Now this, I'm with you, is such an important aspect of, of this whole area of being strong and courageous that next week's message is going to spend a whole time just focusing on God's nearness to us. But there's one more resource mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God has given us to help face our fears. We've talked about spiritual power. We've talked about love. He also mentioned a sound mind, a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now, sometimes this is translated, probably your, your Bible is translated self-control, but I actually, I prefer the, the sound mind translation. And the reason is because it speaks to the importance of our minds in this whole area of fear. See, what we, what we think about is a critical part of this battle. Years ago, I suffered a season in which I experienced anxiety attacks. And over time, you know, I, I, um, I learned, I began to learn that anxiety attacks begin, they always begin with a thought 
that's attached to a feeling of fear. They begin with a thought. Usually it was, it was uh, related to some aspect of my life that I felt like I wasn't in control of. At that time, our church was, was just expanding to two services, and it, and it felt kind of overwhelming to me. You know? And so, so that was just an example of, of one of those things. But it was one of those deals where I felt like I wasn't in control of that. And yet, and given my fear of failure, that often then creates a sense of panic. We're going this direction. We're, we're going to do this. But I don't know if I have what it takes to do this, to help lead this thing. Okay. So, so, you know, I, 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 I've got to succeed, right. But I don't know if I have what it takes. I mean, that, that's what caused this sense of panic. And, and, and this is the way, this is what would happen with me. And maybe some of you have experienced this as well. The, the way fear, this is the way fear works. It loves to feed on itself. So, so what would happen is that when I, when I started to, to feel the initial fear, I would then begin to fear that I was going to have a panic attack. See, it wasn't just afraid of this. It was suddenly I was afraid of the fear. I was afraid that I might have another panic attack, another anxiety attack, which then would plunge me in this downward spiral of, of anxiety. And, and what helped me was to realize that, that often when I feel that initial sense of panic, when I feel that initial sense of fear, I actually have a choice at that point. Rather than feeding the fear, I can simply acknowledge that I'm feeling anxious and that that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm not going to die. I've been through this before. And then I can begin to change my thinking, my focus. I can begin to focus on the truth. And that truth comes not from my own feelings, right? That truth comes from God himself. See, fears are often rooted in lies. So if we can embrace truth, it lessens the power of fear. Embracing the truth of who God is and, and what God says, that enables us to be strong and courageous when we're experiencing fear. It enables us to stand in faith. Okay, now, now I want to go back to the Joshua 1 passage. Because in this passage, we see this so vividly. I want you to notice again what God says to Joshua. After telling him to arise and lead the people into the promised land, God then says this, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Notice what this is. It's a promise. It's a promise. God makes a promise to Joshua. And then he continues to do so. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. See, God is speaking promises to Joshua, things he promises to do. Okay, so, so think about this. What is the only thing standing in the way of all these promises happening? Joshua's faith. That's the only thing. Will he believe what God has said to him? See, that's the critical issue. And the same thing is true for us. God has given us some amazing promises in his word, promises that can encourage and strengthen us in our lives. But the question is, will we believe what God has said to us? 
Fear doesn't want us believing these promises. It wants us to focus on our circumstances, right? Or all the what ifs. But, but, but God invites us in the midst of our fears, God invites us to refocus our minds on his promises, on his character, on his truth. We may not feel like it, but it, it, it's a choice we make. And it can be incredibly, an incredibly powerful choice. Will we choose to believe God's promises to us? Now, for Joshua, those promises were very specific, and they were related to the specific land they were entering into. But, but for us, we also have promises. We have promises from God that are specific to us as well. I love how Paul describes this in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. Look at this verse. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. See, we, we live on the other side. Joshua lived in the Old Testament. We live on the other side of the cross. These promises are yes in Jesus. In Jesus, God's promises become real and specific to us. When God promises, I will never leave you or forsake you, we can know that promise is yes in Christ. I mean, he, Jesus endured the cross for us. He experienced separation from God on the cross so that we who are in Christ will never be separated from God again. That promise is yes in Christ. When God promises that we are his beloved sons and daughters and that, and that nothing can separate us from his love, that promise is yes in Jesus. When God promises in Romans 8, 28, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We can know that that promise is yes in Christ. It's yes for us in Christ. Jesus makes all these promises real to us. They are promises we can embrace, that we can believe, that we can stand on. Now, the problem is, many of us are familiar with these promises, but we're not necessarily standing on them. We're not intentionally embracing them. So how can we do that better? How can we more effectively focus our hearts and minds on, on these promises? Well, well, I want to talk for just a moment about a specific practice that can help us grow in this. It's not the only one, but it's a practice that can help us grow. And that practice is the speaking forth of these promises. It's speaking forth these promises. I don't know if we realize how powerful our words are. See, our words have a way of declaring things, of speaking them forth as if they're true. I mean, how many of us have wounds in our past that we're still dealing with as adults, wounds that resulted from someone important in our life speaking negative words over us. You'll never amount to anything. You're a failure. No one wants to be with you. You're a bad person, et cetera, et cetera. Spoken words have power. They influence our destiny, which is why we need to be intentional about the words we speak. As we saw last week in Numbers 14, when the people of Israel were being overcome by fear, one of, the, one of the ways this manifested itself was in what people were saying. Listen to this, Numbers 14, 2 to 4. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? 
our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Negativity, lies. None of it was true. But they're, they're declaring things that were not true. They're making statements that, that questioned the goodness of God. They were, they were speaking these words and it shaped their destiny. What words are we speaking over our lives? This is going to be a terrible day. I just know it. My boss hates me. No one likes me. I'm a terrible student. I'm a failure. I'm never going to get married. I'm a jerk. I'll never get, you know, I'll never get over this. Life never seems to go my way. I'm sure I'm not going to get that job. Our marriage is always going to be horrible. You may think that saying things like that doesn't matter, but it does. It does matter. Words reflect the thoughts of the heart. They reflect what we believe. They reflect what we are embracing as true. They have power. So rather than speaking forth words of negativity and lies and all that stuff, imagine the power of speaking forth the truth of God's promises. The truth of his character. I mean, what if in the face of our fears and negativity, we all go there. What if though in the face of that, we chose instead to speak something, speak forth something like this. You know what? I declare my faith in Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead that I may have life. I declare that his life is now my life. His power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, lives in me. I declare that nothing can ever separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I belong to him forever. I declare that nothing can thwart God's good purposes and plans for me. Nothing can thwart that. My God is absolutely faithful and I declare that God's perfect love is driving out my fear. Fear will not rule my life. I am strong and courageous because Jesus lives in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. See, notice what we're doing. We're declaring truth. We're declaring truth. We're embracing God's promises. It is a tangible way to face our fears. Now, this is not a magic formula. You know, just repeat these words. I'm not talking about that. What it is, though, this is a simple, this is simply a way to begin changing the trajectory of our minds and our hearts from negativity and lies to instead focus on God's promises to us in Christ. I mean, that can dramatically change the spiritual atmosphere over our lives. Dramatically change the spiritual atmosphere over our lives. What are we speaking forth? What are we saying? What are we declaring with our words? It's a huge issue. Okay, so here's what we've learned. In Christ, God has given us three tools to help us be strong and courageous, to help us face our fears. They are the tools of power, and love, and a sound mind. God wants us to learn to stand in his power. He wants us to learn how to stand in his love. And he wants us to learn how to stand in his promises. Because of Jesus, we have the privilege of experiencing these things in a way that they, the people in Joshua's day couldn't experience it. 
We have a way to experience this power, love, sound mind in a way that those people couldn't. We can face our fears in a way that those people couldn't. All because of the power, the love, and the promises given to us are in Christ. They're all ours in Christ. Let's pray together. Now, here's, here's what I want to do in, in our time of prayer, in this time of response. We're going to walk through each one of these responses. Each one of these resources God has given us. So we didn't just hear about it. We're actually going to practice this together, okay? So I want you to think for a moment of the fears that you wrestle with. And I want you to hear in your soul the Lord saying to you, now arise. Let's stand up. You don't need to stand right now, but let's just in our, in our soul, in our soul, our posture is let's, God's saying, stand, arise, let's face our fears. Let's face these fears. And we're going to do it with three resources. First one is God's love. So I want to encourage you as you're, as you're there, you're just acknowledging whatever the fears are, open your heart afresh to the love of God. Just in the quiet of your heart, you're going to have that kind of that conversation I mentioned earlier. It's like, man, God, thank you. You love me. You love me. You are mine. I belong to you. Nothing can separate me from your love. Just open your heart to those truths that he loves you. His spirit lives in you, reminding you that you are his son or daughter. So let's just take a moment and do that. Thank you, Lord, that your perfect love casts out fear. And I, I want to give an invitation. We just, I want to continue to encourage you just to rest in his love right now. But there are a few people here. There are some people here I want to specifically address because um, I, I believe God is, is wanting me to, to invite each person here into a relationship with him. All these promises about God's love and living, nothing separating us, that is, every one of those I said is true in Christ. It's because of Jesus that we have those things. The Bible makes it very clear that apart from Jesus, we do not have a relationship with God. We are actually separated from him because of our sin. Jesus died on the cross to bridge that gap he paid the penalty for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. And so there may be some of you here and you're thinking, Man, I want that. I'm not sure I have a relationship with God in Christ and I want that. I want his love in my heart. I want his spirit living in me. I want my sins forgiven. If that's you, awesome. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right now where you can open your heart in this moment. You can open your heart to his love and receive this gift he has for you. So if that's you, pray along with me right now in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I realize that I'm separated from you because of my sin. You're holy and I'm not. And I don't want to be separated from you. And I realize, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, you died, Jesus, you died in my place. You took the penalty I should have paid. And I choose right now to place my trust in you. I place my whole life in your hands. 
all my sin and all my failures and my doubts and my questions, I just place it all in your hands. And I ask you to forgive me now. All of my sins, past, present, and even the sins I haven't committed yet, come wash me clean. And come live in me through the presence of your Holy Spirit. Change me from the inside out. So Father, I want to pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. I pray they would grow in this new relationship. They would grow in your love for them and their experience of that. And if you just prayed with me, I encourage you to consider taking our Alpha course. It just started last week, so it's not too late. It's Wednesday night. You can find on our website information. Be a great next step for you. Okay, so that's the love. So we open our heart afresh to your love as we stand up to our fears, God. We open our hearts to your love. Okay, the second response is the spiritual warfare, the power response. Not only for us as individuals, but as a church. A couple months ago, and you can just maintain an attitude of prayer, you can look up or not, but it doesn't matter, it's an attitude of prayer, but I wanted to mention, a couple months ago, I was praying with a friend who was gifted in hearing God speak. And we were praying for our church with some other leaders here. And one of the things that this man sensed very strongly in his spirit was this. He, he, he felt like we as a church are being harassed by a spirit of fear. Not necessarily one particular fear. He, he, it was all sorts of fears. It was sort of like a low rumble of fear that was constantly present in the background of our lives. And our church, and I think it's important for us as a body to resist this spirit, not only individually, but together. And so I want to lead us in an opportunity to engage in the battle by renouncing and resisting the enemy's activity involving fear. Now, as I mentioned before, I believe this is something we're to do regularly as individuals when we face our fears. This is something I kind of do in my own, my regular time with God. I have a little kind of a prayer I pray over the church and family, kind of a warfare prayer. But today, what I want us to do is do it as a congregation. We're in solidarity. We resist the spirit of fear together. So why don't, why don't you stand with me if you're able to do that. Just stand with me. And if you're comfortable doing so, I want you to repeat this prayer out loud. I'll repeat a phrase, you repeat, or I'll say a phrase, you repeat that. And, and, and this is really just a, it's a simple, but it's a, it's a warfare prayer. And again, I don't want you to just repeat the words. We're, we're declaring this together, all right? We are commanding any spirit of fear to, to be broken over us. So, so here we go. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I renounce any holds. I renounce any hold that a spirit of fear has had on my life. Spirit of fear has had on my life. I bring the cross of Christ... I bring the cross of Christ, his crucifixion, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension against the work of the enemy. I cut off every foul spirit that has been harassing me. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. I claim the blood of Jesus over my life, over my family, over this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, that's something I encourage us to regularly pray over ourselves, our family, our church. 
in the midst of our battle with fear. Now, I'm going to put a prayer like that on my blog. If you're like, oh, I want to get those words down, I'm going to put that on the blog um, tomorrow so you'll have those, you can pray over your family. Third response, just remain standing here now. The third response we're going to do is the sound mind thing, the embracing and declaring of God's promises over our lives. So in just a moment... I'm going to have us declare out loud together the truths that I, that I mentioned earlier in the message. And again, this needs to be an ongoing thing in our lives. This isn't just a one-time thing. I'm done there. It's an ongoing practice as we're facing fear. But I thought it would be really cool for us to do this together as a church to declare these truths. So in just a moment, we're going to put them on the screens so we can read them out loud together. But I don't want us to simply read them. I want us to declare them. Now, please don't feel any pressure to do this. If you're not comfortable doing this, you don't want to do this, you don't agree with these things or whatever, that's totally fine. You don't have to say these things. But if these truths reflect the desire of your heart, I want to ask you to declare this out loud with me. Okay, here we go. I declare my faith in Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead that I may have life. I declare that his life is now my life. His power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, lives in me. I declare that nothing can ever separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I belong to him forever. I declare that nothing can thwart God's good purposes and plans for me. My God is absolutely faithful. I declare that God's perfect love is driving out my fear. Fear will not rule my life. I am strong and courageous because Jesus lives in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We declare God's blessing upon our church we will follow Jesus together, trusting him to do above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Amen? Amen. Now again, these things, these truths are things we can speak over our lives, especially when fear arises. We can declare these truths. So again, if you want a copy of these, I'll put those on the blog as well. You get a link from our website. So power, love, and a sound mind. Amazing resources that God has given us in Christ to face our fears. And I believe God is calling us as individuals and as a church to a new level of faith. I believe he has amazing things in store for this church. And I believe it is, it is the time now to arise, to stand in faith. To not let fear rob us of what God has in store for us. So are you with me in this battle? Are you with me here? I, I feel like this is one of those defining moments for our church. Are we going to be a church that holds back because of fear? Or a church that moves forward in faith? Now, because of the significance of this weekend and this issue and what God is doing here, we wanted to have some tangible way to, to express our desire to face our fears and to be strong and courageous and to do so together. And so we came up with this idea of a bracelet, um, a be strong and courageous bracelet that we all can wear, if you want to, we all can wear during this teaching series. It's a symbol of solidarity. 
It's a symbol of both our personal desire to face our fears and also a symbol of our church's desire to walk in faith. And so ushers, if you want to begin passing those out, um, we have enough for one for each person here. And so the buckets are going to go by. Just grab one of the bracelets out of there. And you'll notice on it, it actually says hashtag be strong and courageous so that we can encourage each other via Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. We can encourage each other. Go ahead and pass them out, ushers. Go for it as quickly as possible. Just get those buckets out there. Grab, grab a bracelet. And again, our invitation, the invitation here is to, is to wear this during this teaching series. It's to wear this as a way to personally declare your desire to stand up to fear, to arise, to face your fears, and also as a way to signify our solidarity as a church, that we're doing this as a church. We want to be a church that is filled with faith being strong and courageous as we move towards the vision that God has for us. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let me pray for us, and I'm going to turn it over to the worship team here. So God, set us free right now to worship you. We've declared truth in word. Now we want to do so in song. So set us free to do that. And I also want to just pray for our intercessors with the red lanyards around the room. If anyone here needs to receive prayer, just slip out of your seat. Go to these folks. They would love to pray for you. And there is, there is faith in this room. There is faith here for God to move. And so I encourage you to take advantage of that. Go to these folks, and you can just go back to your seat. So, Lord, continue to stir our faith as we face our fears in your power, your love, and in just embracing and declaring your promises. So we love you. Set us free to worship you, God. Thank you, Lord.